0: One, come all, welcome to the Data Nuts Capstone Show for 2018. Yay! <laughs> applause, applause. We've constructed a plethora of potent presents for you, our pleasant and professional patron. Listen in as we talk about the direction of this show. Reveal how the sausage is made. It's quite yummy. And point out topics we're going to invest in for next year. And then delight your senses with a very special Mad Lib style prediction for 2019. And with that, let's embark on a journey of snazziness. Howdy, I am Chris Wall. You can follow me at Chris Wall on the Twitterverse. And with me is my co host who wears a wingsuit on airplanes, just in case, Ethan Banks at EC Banks on Twitter. And this is the Data Knots Podcast. You can find this and all of our shows on iTunes, in your favorite podcatcher, or at packetpushers.net. So there we go, Ethan. I mean, a lot of shows this year. I don't know. We don't normally do this sort of thing. It's a little bit kind of loosey goosey.
1: Yeah, you wanted to do this, though. I mean, have a look back at the year. And I think that's uh, it's good to do that now and again. Uh, So, yeah, end of the year, fun time to sneak it in because, hey, no one's listening anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. So hopefully you're
0: passed out somewhere after eating a a big meal and you're like, man, what do I do? And for some reason you put us in your ears. So we won't banter. We'll get right to it because we get feedback all the time that that's what you like. So the first thing I wanted to kind of go over, Ethan, was a recap of 2018. And I'll, I'll pitch you a question here. How do you feel about the show it's been a whole you know like we've been doing this two and a half years now something along those lines are you enjoying it is it fun
1: yeah for me data Knotts is uh one of the, the shows that i look forward to doing so because a lot of the topics that we cover aren't in an, in a one particular silo that's the whole point of the show right to, to bust silos i get to dig into yeah. a whole lot of topics that i don't normally dig into that is wicked fun for me. I love that. I'm a nerd that will sit and read a bunch of white papers and uh, other things to come up with show content, and that's just awesome. I love that, and I've run into a bunch of really cool people from different parts of the industry because of that, and had some really good exchanges with you, as we have, in fact, busted silos. So I'm loving it. How about yourself?
0: Oh, it's It's definitely a project of love. It's the one thing in my life that I just don't want to skimp on. It's become kind of part of my identity. I'll say that um, not only am I enjoying it, but part of the cool thing about where I work is I get to travel around the world. And in my past life, it was people knew me for Wall Network website and nerdy stuff. And now they're like, oh yeah, that knots guy. And They want stickers around knots. I'm like, man, that kind of blows me away. So I'm enjoying it. But it, it, not to say there aren't challenges. It's certainly, I will say props to anyone who does this, or if you're looking to do a podcast, because I think if you want to do it right and really serve your listeners well and, and stay engaged, it's a pretty non-trivial amount of time investment. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah.
1: I, well, before I was doing podcasting full-time, it became a second job uh, doing all the different podcasts that I was doing. And that was very stressful. That was hard. And it, it so happened almost four years ago that I was able to transition into doing this full time and it became much more sane. So if you do podcasting or blogging or whatever it is on the side, and, and like you said, you're committed to it, you're really trying to uh, do it well and and put out good content. It is a lot. It is a, it is a lot. And there's a lot in your mind when you're standing in a data center at 2 a.m. working on some change standing over the perf tile with pressurized air conditioning, going up your pant legs, you're, you know, and that's most of what you do. The last thing you want to do is walk out of that data center and like, yeah, I should be writing a podcast script now. And so a lot of people just kind of give up on it and don't, it is hard to to struggle through it, but I'm lucky enough to be able to do it full time. And so a lot of the stress in my life that made it hard once upon a time has gone away. That is not your situation though.
0: Yeah. Well, as I'll say, the biggest challenge, if you're looking to do something like this, and i happy to share, you know, we'll, we'll go deeper into this, but scheduling, that's <laughs> always the hardest part, trying to find a time in the world where we can actually sit down with someone else in the world, especially when the time zones are really wonky, like 10 and a half or 12 hours apart, and do these recordings. So that tends to be the toughest. Let's pivot here for a bit, though. I want to provide some visibility for the listeners one thing that I asked you to do, and for the first time listeners, Ethan actually did his homework, it's kind of amazing, Ba-doom-ch- was he got a bunch of stats to share, which I thought would be kind of cool. Like I love data. We obviously love data, knots. so let's do it. So Ethan, like, what's your take? How's the show doing? What are some numbers that might be interesting to those listening?
1: So for people that follow the Packet Pushers podcast network, there are eight shows in the network now, and data knots is the second most popular and listened to show in the network behind only the weekly show, which we'll be calling Heavy Networking starting in 2019. That's the show we started with, so it's that would be a pretty tough one to eclipse, but Datanox has, over the years, rocketed up the charts to be the second most popular show, and it's been growing this year. So I started keeping a monthly record of subscribers. We use a service called FeedPress, and FeedPress tells us exactly how many people are polling the feed, so we know how many subscribers there are. So in April of 2018, we had 51,609 subscribers when I checked. And in December, we're up to 55,620 subscribers. So that's about a 7.7% increase from April to December. And, you know, we'll see. Podcasting is getting more popular. We'll see how that goes. And on the average, each episode was downloaded about 14,000 times, actually a little bit higher than that.
0: That terrifies me to hear that out loud. That's a lot of people listening. To, I'm. I, I hate hearing myself, so I don't know how 14,000 people listen to it. Maybe at double speed it's a little better, but go, go ahead, a, Mr. Numbers. I'm I loving mean, it.
1: An even more you know, bigger number, intimidating number is over 525,000 downloads is the total number for 2018 Datanauts uh, podcast episodes. I mean, so over half a million downloads have happened of, uh, of these mouth noises that we've been making, Chris. So I think maybe more interesting, Chris, is uh, talk about the – the top three shows by downloads, because I think that's a pretty good in- indicator of what people are interested in hearing about.
0: Yeah, and everyone always wants the list. You know, we always want who's who's the, the top, and uh, certainly different topics can lend well to listenership. You know, some things are just they hit that heartstring a little bit harder than others. Let's actually start at number three. I'll I'll, I'll do number three, episode one twenty three. So one two three, a show on security without firewalls. Obviously, a very tantalizing title. I think it was over 16,000 downloads, 16,184 downloads as our number three most popular episode for 2018. And doesn't really surprise me that much just because everyone's getting screwed over from a security perspective. You know, whether it's the edge, the core, the creamy center in the, you know, in the middle, it doesn't really matter from ransomware to phishing attacks to God knows what these days, there's just a lot going on. So didn't surprise me too much to see that coming at number three. What was number two?
1: Understanding VXLAN networking, which uh, again, like the number three topic, not surprised because VXLAN is becoming more and more prevalent in a variety of different vendor solutions, from uh, solutions coming from Cisco and from uh, VMware to a lot of other folks in between. VXLAN is the underpinning for a variety of different data center architectures now and is being used both terminated in software and in hardware. And it's a feature set that people are wanting to understand as more and more solutions are built upon it. So again, not not really surprised that uh, understanding VXLAN networking was a uh, an interesting topic to people. What was number one, Mr. Wall?
0: Uh, number one, I, I hate to admit it, this is a show that Ethan put together, uh, which really chaps me in the rear. But episode 143, Getting to Day 2 Cloud, uh, just dominated the charts with nineteen thousand three hundred and thirty-one downloads uh, in two thousand eighteen. That's bonkers. But also, <laughs> I, I feel like, duh, everyone pontificates the whole like day one stuff, like how do you build it, but not a whole lot of attention to day two, which is how do I keep running it and avoiding technical debt and avoiding, you know, just really architecting myself into a corner uh, or being put into a corner through poor architecture. So it feels like, I, I guess, that's a good indicator that we definitely need to stay cloudy with a chance of meatballs as we progress through 2019. Hmm. I don't know. I think I think that's, you're voting with your downloads. And considering that's episode 143, which was only like 12 episodes ago, tells me something. That's a lot of downloads for such a short period of time. Yeah,
1: it definitely is. I mean, these shows have a long tail. They're evergreen. Um, even shows that have been around for a year or two years will still get downloads pretty regularly, you know, one, two, three, four in a day. And so, yeah, the day two cloud show is uh, is, is is pretty... Pretty hot, pretty hot topic with everybody.
0: I think you, you actually dissected it further because one thing that I was really – I was curious about was where are you all that are listening to this show? And I think you took you took the day two cloud show and you kind of broke it down, right? Yeah, I
1: did. Um, I figured that would be – since it was the largest number of downloads for episodes this year, a good statistical sample to draw from and figure out where everyone's from that's listening. So U.S., 60%, uh, not surprising there. The U.K., about 9%. Australia, about 6 Canada, 5 And then uh, – Germany at two and a half. That's our top five. And then it kind of goes down from there with a a variety of European and APAC countries uh, coming in. So Netherlands, Sweden, Japan, Ireland, India, all chipping in there. And again, that's not surprising. I mean, we know that a, a lot of folks live in the U.S. that listen to this show. We've kind of known that across the Packet Pushers Network for a long time. And then you guys in the U.K. and Australia you're our most vocal people, the people that interact with us the most. Uh, you're sending us emails, you're active in the Slack channel, and uh, and so on. So, not surprised at all to see that reflected in that show.
0: It's also a problem that like we only speak one language, so I guess we gotta we gotta we gotta break out, man. We gotta I don't know break <laughs> our own language silos. Uh, I get it. Yeah, it's a lot of English speaking countries, so we're we're kind of siloed on our language dependency, I suppose. But it is neat to see, you know, like when you see Ireland and India and Japan and and listeners from around the world, it definitely, it's definitely really cool for me. Uh, So thank you for those that are around the world that listen to the show.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you literally are everywhere, even the shows we didn't mention. I mean, every continent is touched in some way or another, South America, Central America, Africa, much of Asia also. So it's, it's truly a global, a global show.
0: The other thing that I thought might be interesting for those listening is how does we make the show? We we talk a lot about building technology and, and different solutions within the technology world, but hey, you know, like how does this show actually put together? So welcome to the inner circle. <laughs> We're going to showcase you know kind of how it all works and what the planning is, and just uh, you know kind of be nerdy for a bit. The first area that we we tackle is just sourcing who we want to talk to. A lot of it is uh, Ethan and I just kind of scrounging the interwebs, looking at interesting topics. Something will just sort of hit our gut like, oh, that's interesting because I think that the best litmus test we have available to us is do we think it's neat or creative or useful because we'd like to think that we're also technology professionals and kind of have the same wavelength as you do. So certainly scrounging is is one aspect of it. The other is social media. Actually, a good probably half dozen shows this year came from people tweeting at data underscore show on Twitter. Or just hitting up at Chris Wall for me or at EC Banks for Ethan to say it it could be even a little bit hostile. Like, oh, this show is stupid. I would like to do a, you know, fix it show. Or, you know, you're missing out on these other topics. You should really talk about it. And um, I don't know. I I actually like that a lot because it takes guts to kind of reach out. And it takes energy to reach out and say, you know, I do like this. I don't like that. I remember we actually had a, uh, I think it was a serverless show where someone reached out and was like, Actually, you missed the mark in a few spots. Can I come on and kind of update that? And we were like, absolutely. Come on, board the show, and ride the train.
1: Yeah, we're always looking for guests, I think, is a key thing. So if you're an expert in a particular area and you're comfortable, would like to come on the show and talk about something a project you did, an open source project that you released, uh, something that you built, uh, some interesting cloud project that you just worked through in your willing and able to talk about that project. We want to share that experience that you've had on Datanauts. That'd be a great thing. And as Chris said, just tweet at Datanauts underscore show or at Chris Wall or at EC Banks and let us know. Several shows, uh, as you said, Chris, were done directly because of you interacting with us on Twitter and shows that are in planning right now. Uh, I've got one I'm working on right now because someone asked me specifically to plan a show with these folks. And so I reached out to those folks and uh, hopefully that's going to come together love it uh,
0: so moving along at that point we got an idea kind of what we want to talk about then we have to find the right people so scheduling hits the uh, you know kind of the milestone there we use an application uh, called schedule once actually it allows all of our calendars to kind of be unified in a single view because I've got my work calendar my personal and Ethan has his stuff going on and that looks across basically every possible availability that we have and allows the folks that want to come onto the show to just kind of pick a time that works for them but again that's Typically, most of the difficulty is finding time to do it, uh, and, and definitely having a distributed application from a scheduling perspective makes that easier.
1: Yeah, Schedule Once is, is pretty great. You can you can spend a lot of money on Schedule Once if you use all the plugins, but at the base version that just does the calendaring, it's it's a fantastic tool. Go check it out if you could benefit from something like that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been, it's been a, a lifesaver from the email to give me five dates when you're available. And that's just not possible when there's three people. <laughs> it's just too hard. And then recording. It's pretty straightforward. We actually record the show using a Slack phone call. So we have a Slack team built out just for doing phone calls for recording show episodes across the spectrum, not just for data knots. And uh, everyone gets an invite. Uh, we get on at the time that we've agreed upon from a scheduling perspective. Ethan has a much more advanced rig than I do. I'm using a USB microphone, a Rode podcaster and Camtasia to record my audio because I suck at all this. Ethan, you have cooler stuff.
1: Yeah, it's actually not that much different from what you've got. Uh, I'm on, you're on Windows platform, which th- there's certain, since I'm on the Mac platform. The
0: only platform worth using. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> just FYI.
1: I have a few more software choices available to me on Mac that, that unfortunately they don't make versions for Windows, but I am a Mac user using a Rode Podcaster mic as well. It's reasonably affordable. It's on a boom arm. It's on a shock mount to really just minimize all that kind of stuff you get when you're typing on your keyboard or banging on your desk, etc. That's USB, and that is all captured with an app by Rogue Amoeba. Uh, Rogue Amoeba makes Audio Hijack Pro for the Mac, and it can capture uh, multi-track, meaning my track goes down to one audio channel in the application, like it's capturing Slack right now for Chris. It goes down to a second track, and when you can get multi-track like that, it makes for better edits. None of that fixes the internet sucking in between, in between us and a guest, whoever that might be. And so sometimes you do hear VoIP and jitter and, uh, you know, VoIP jitter, uh, uh, latency, that kind of stuff comes through. And that's unfortunate, but that's just the internet. And we you know we do most of this recording remotely. You know, if we go on the we road, we, we do have. Right? You're the network guy. That's right. I should just be able to wave <laughs> a magic wand and make the internet better, faster. Physics go away. If we go on the road, we do have field recorders and other sorts of mics and rigs that we use, uh, most of which is in the road family for microphones or the Zoom family. If you're looking at portable recorders, we've got a mix of... The H6, the H4N, we've got an R16 uh, console deck, and uh, we've got an F8 field recorder that's uh, part of the the options that we use when we hit the road. And the F8's pretty cool, uh, dual SD cards, and uh, and so on. Pretty nice. Not that we do too many remote recordings for Datanauts, uh, Chris, but they happen once in a while.
0: Yeah, and they're certainly fun. And, and my road kit is simply a Plantronics Audio 478 USB, so it's it's what you're listening to right now because I'm on the road at the moment. And then all those WAV files get actually uploaded to Dropbox for our editor to mix it all together. And that's pretty much it for that. You know, there's not a whole lot of uh, sausage to reveal on that particular piece. There's
1: a little bit of sausage, just to mention. A little bit of sausage, uh, yeah. yeah, The the show gets assembled as a puzzle where we record the different segments and the takeaways. And then uh, our producer, our editor, you know, edits it all, makes us sound as smart as possible, edits out all the little bits that need removing and then layers in the music and the takeaways. So it all sounds like one smooth production when in fact it was not recorded that way at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I meant sausage of like how we get the audio files there, but certainly the editing that gets done, we kind of just land a giant pile of wave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just like, <laughs> here's a giant wave where we record the, you know, the, the three kind of sections of the show and then the takeaways we actually do afterwards. Uh, and all of that gets spliced together, like Ethan says, like a puzzle. And I think it's a good point. Like, I, I think, Ethan, we we got to do a shout out for the staff that you don't hear on the show, or at least not very frequently, that make it all possible. So, Ethan, can you just, like, give some shout outs here? Let's,
1: let's. Well, there's, there's three three key players to uh, Data Knots and the rest of the shows in the Packet Pushers podcast network. So, Robin Young, you've heard her name on the uh, the show before, is our business manager and helps coordinate a lot of what happens to bring the show's. To us, uh, a lot of the I, I I think of her role as being pivotal. She's like the lubricant in the gear mechanism. That without her, it would all kind of grind to a halt. Absolutely crucial role. Then Drew, you've heard him co-host on the show before. Does a lot, bringing the show ideas. Does a lot with uh, getting the show actually published on the network, so you actually see it and it shows up in your podcatcher. Drew's the one who pressed all the buttons and did the writing to make that happen. And then Jen, uh, our audio editor for Datanauts that understands the complex puzzle that is this show and has all the bits and pieces to make it happen and make us sound good. She's also the one that scolds me when the audio isn't as good as it ought to be. And she's also the one that in Trello, I write all the recording notes to so that she knows what things to look out for and uh, and so on. So, I mean, those three are, are involved in some way in just about every episode. And right, you just, you would never hear about them other than we call them out.
0: Now that you know how the sausage is made, let's go into, I don't know, let's take a look back at 2018. Let's try to correlate what was going on with 2018. And really just like, actually, let's dive into what are we going to go deeper for 2019? Uh, Like, what topics are you looking to go deeper into, Ethan, for 2019 with Datanauts?
1: So when I think about data knots and the the silo busting that we've been doing historically, and I look at the the future and where things are moving, a lot of that has to do with cloud, a lot of that has to do with security, a lot of that has to do with automation. So I've picked some topics here that I think are interesting that I'm hoping we can do some shows around. So one is uh, telemetry and application health beyond red light, green light. So I know a lot of folks are still stuck in the red light, green light world. But, uh, but with all the opportunity we have in telemetry, it's time to move beyond that and actually build a monitoring stack around what an application uh, looks like when it's healthy. Infrastructure security beyond microsegmentation We've talked about microsegmentation, blah, blah, but there's, I think, so much more that needs to be done, and let's have a chat about that somewhere. Uh, I would love it if all of us as engineers could have a conversation about how to ensure privacy of our customers' data. That would be amazing because privacy is increasingly a concern that the world has. And you know, what should we be doing in our own individual companies in our orgs to make sure that all of the data stays privacy? Are we doing our part as practitioners uh, and not just looking to the government to set laws or uh, our bosses to tell us what's happening? Can we be proactive you know, in that way? Uh, on an automation front, I'm interested more in uh, CI/CD. Uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment, but for infrastructure operations and change management, less about dev and more about applying that concept to operations. Does that actually work? Is that a thing you can really do? I mean, there are some people that are doing it, but I want to dig into that uh, a little more detail. Serverless continues to gain in popularity. There's a big cost benefit going serverless. Let's dig into some of the use cases. Where can we apply that What's living in a container today that maybe could save a bunch of money if it was to be migrated to serverless? I want to talk to some people that have done some work in that area and have that conversation. Cloud storage models, very interesting to me. Where does your data live? What are the penalties you pay for where you've chosen to have your data? When your workload is in the cloud and needs access to data, where should that data be? There's cost questions. There's compliance questions. There's performance questions to be answered there. We've talked some about that think there's more to talk about because it's a topic that's not going away and there's more products coming to market that address this concern yet another one is 400 g a 400 gigabit ethernet is it, it's alive it's a thing now it's been productized you can start ordering it uh optics are going to be delivered what is the 400 gig ethernet impact to the data center what the optics look like is there a heat management problem what the cabling plants look like can i keep my existing cabling is that going to be something i got to think about does the network design change etc And then it wouldn't hurt my feelings, Chris, to have a show or two about certs that matter and why they matter. Uh, For so many years, people have used certs as a way to get better, better their knowledge, better themselves, improve their career, become of more value to different employers. What certs are worth it at this point? It's just like, oh, get your AWS cert and go. Or is there more to the story than that? I think that would be an interesting topic to explore along the way. So those, those are some top of my top of mind things that I just scattered down as we were planning the show. What about you? Have you come up with anything for 2019 that's interesting?
0: Oh, well, definitely would like to start uh, going deeper into open source projects. Not any particular project, but kind of how are they built? How do you integrate a pipeline into them, how do you test them? How do you handle people wanting to contribute? I've done a fair bit of that, you know, to some degree, but I'd like to get some other people on here to talk about their experiences. And then more from a, a technical perspective, I've been focusing more on the NoSQL world a lot lately. So what are the architecture advantages between different deployments? How do you operationalize these databases? You know, what do the deployment models look like? I just feel like uh, we can go into the non-relational databases a bit deeper. And kind of changing gears a bit, disaster recovery. I remember my days as a virtualization engineer and having to build hot site, warm site, hop site, cold site. Kind of like to see how that's going. Uh, I'd like to dig in some shows about how that kind of interfaces with cloud as well. And frankly, if it's real <laughs> or if it's just kind of architecture. And then a lot of things that got brought up this year on multi-cloud. And, you know, it's like <laughs> first it was first it was like cloud, then it was hybrid cloud. Now it's multi-cloud. And at a Gartner conference, they were saying, you know, everything has to be multi-cloud. You need to deploy everything to at least, you know, two different cloud vendors. Like, is that real or is it just regions or is it just, you know, blue-green deployments? You know, how is that actually working? Something we were talking about, I think, a couple years ago that could use a little bit of a polish would be lab situations. I'd really like to see people that have a solid, you know, kind of Terraform-driven cloud lab, if you will, maybe using droplets. And in DigitalOcean or something like that. Just different lab scenarios for for learning and studying and, you know, kind of keep an idea uh, as to when the home lab will actually die, if that's going to happen. And then uh, something that's near and dear to both our hearts, Ethan, we had the silo busting series. Yeah. We had the troubleshooting series. I would like to add topics of that nature where we actually build a show that spans more than one episode, like we did with the uh, the troubleshooting. I think it got really good reviews uh, but I think they're mm. a couple of years old you, now. You
1: know, you in the audience can actually help us with that topic. So, I mean, if you were involved in a major troubleshooting exercise sometime this year that involved people from different parts of the stack, you had the storage people and the security people and the network people and so on, the virtualization people, the cloud people, everybody was on the line. It was a massive effort to solve whatever the problem was. If you can talk through it and, you know, you don't have to be like name your company or be super specific, but if you can talk through what the problem was and then how it ultimately got resolved by silo busting and cross communications and goods in incident command, these kind of things. Yeah. Uh, bonus up, man. Uh, at data underscore show. Let's, let's have it. That would be a great show to do. Yeah. And
0: we'll make sure to also email your boss, let them know that you're talking crap about That's them, right. So that, of Oh no, Oh wait.
1: wait oh no, we won't that. Yeah, no, right,
0: not doing that. that. Forgot. Yeah. It was the opposite. In, something else that I had kind of on our list to bring up, Ethan, was topics that we did cover this year in 2018 that we feel like maybe are trending down. And it's interesting because you put, you put serverless on there. And I remember serverless was like super hot. And then it, I felt like maybe this is the case where, where I felt like it was trending down and I'm wrong, where I feel like more recently it's gotten more popularity and, and perhaps we should put it back on our list. So like, I'm excited to see what you do with that for next year. Because yeah. it's on your I mean, list, I don't
1: think it's trending down. Just you know, the more reading I do about it, it's more of maturing, understanding. Like there's a there's a series I'm reading now by uh, Tim Bray, I think is his name. He's an AWS engineer talking through all the different latency models, the different languages, the use cases for serverless. He's done a, a lengthy series that I've just started getting into, explaining in detail how you use them and and so on. And I think they're increasingly popular. Again, going back to the cost model as a driver. But they have their own design challenges and so on. I, I don't think they're going away. I think it's more we're in day two serverless and now let's wrap our brains around where where they're in the best fit. But is there anything else that you thought was is is trending down? Uh I mean OpenStack's the big one that comes to my mind.
0: <laughs> well, maybe it trended down so far I forgot about it.
1: <laughs> I didn't it even
0: it wasn't even on my head. I I was thinking a little bit more nuts and bolts. Um, I remember when we first started the show, we were definitely talking a lot about server design and, like, you know, kind of the the hardware side of things. And while I think, you know, we are talking about hyperconverged and kind of the software layer that you spread onto hardware, I definitely feel like the days of talking about, you know, how many gigabits per second something can do and how many ports it has on it, you know, especially from kind of the server and even partly the storage world. I feel like people kind of get it. We don't necessarily need to cover it. It's more around like how do I actually operate it, how to design around it, more of the high level operations, and not just the speed, speed sizes, you know, cooling that kind of stuff.
1: Does that make more sense? Well, it does. I think the, there's so many bottlenecks that have been removed from server architectures now that it's progressively less of an issue. And, and with storage, I think has been maybe maybe a bottleneck people have run up against but with NVMe even that's going away and so it's it's again yeah. move the bottleneck and it's just not wrangling the horsepower isn't as big of a challenge as optimizing your applications uh and and really operationalizing the the software that deals with hyperconverged and all that what is what does that look like and how do you wrap your wrap your head around that and how do you leverage APIs the best it seems like managing the infrastructure is more interesting than optimizing uh, what's actually going on under the hood. Not, I mean, there's companies out there that, that do that. That's their specialty, like, like Turbonomic, for example. But I think for the most part, there's so much power out there. It's progressively less of a concern, especially as people are migrating to cloud.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely ties back to the show ideas for next year. It's a lot of automation, pipelines, talking about APIs. I'd really like to get into that just because, man, if you're listening, I feel like that it's just it's no longer a luxury item to learn, especially look at something like Amazon Outpost, where it's like they're literally putting a stake in the ground saying, "I'm coming for you, like they're coming for your data center you know they're like they're coming, so you better learn how to combat that because uh, I just definitely feel very strongly i've been I've been talking about this for years, so eventually I'll be right <laughs> that's the cool thing about it. you know I just keep saying soon it's like the year of the desktop on Linux or, or the Linux desktop or VDI. It's always next year, just just one more year. And then, Ethan, I, I want you to wrap up this part of the conversation with other piece of homework that that you did and I didn't. So we'll just focus on your piece of the homework. Uh, I want to know your your personal three favorites that, you know, if a listener, if you're listening, you haven't heard one of these shows, Ethan Banks says you should go listen to it.
1: So there's three here I'll list off. One is uh, Microservice Meshes with Istio and Envoy. Christian Posta from Red Hat came on the show and just did a fantastic job of breaking down what those two products are, why they tend to be named together, and how they're how they're compatible and how they're different and what they do. This is an important show to me because it is, uh, along with Kubernetes, part of an emerging standard architecture where if you're building applications using microservices and you're trying to manage those with a service mesh, these are key parts of open source software that Uh, Even if you're not using them directly, they're under the hood somewhere else. And Christian did a fantastic job of uh, breaking those down and explaining them. And we got a lot of uh, tweets from you folks uh, telling us that it was a good show. So I thought that was a a winner. That was episode 145. And going back more, more towards the beginning of 2018, we did a show with Vivian Zhang. She's a professor that has expertise in machine learning. And with Vivian, she was able to explain to us machine learning, what it really is, what it really isn't, and help us cut through a lot of the marketing nonsense that we hear where there's ML washing going on over a lot of products where really what they mean is they did some statistical analysis. Machine learning, there's a lot more to it than that. And so to me, if you want to understand machine learning, that conversation we had with uh, uh, Vivian Zhang was very insightful and really put some some non-marketing perspective on uh, on machine learning. And you need to understand it because the machine learning washing, that's not going away and artificial (laughs) intelligence washing is not going away either. So it's nice as a consumer of these products that have these features to understand what ML and AI really are and really aren't.
0: Yeah. I always know it's going to be a great show when I'm having trouble focusing on what my next question is going to be because I'm learning so much. And Vivian just knocked it out of the park. I was. It took forever to record that show because I just had to kind of like bring my jaw back up to a regular position. I was so excited.
1: That one more show I'll throw out there is a show 141 we did with Justin Garrison. Justin is a co-author of a book about uh, cloud-native infrastructure. It's an O'Reilly book that came out. It had some sponsors behind it and so on. That book, I've read, I haven't read. have read all of it yet, but I've read uh, much of it. And it got into a lot of details about when you're Dealing with cloud-native infrastructure, what that looks like, what the applications look like on top of it, and how you have to think about it differently if you're used to traditional legacy infrastructure. And for this show, 141, we took one particular chapter that Justin was the primary author for and went into detail about exactly how to manage cloud-native applications, what that means and what that looks like and the kind of metrics you look at and how you think about them because it's a very different world. And Justin was very articulate and explained it all very well. And we, we went into details on the chapter. I did to him what, what some other people have done to me. You know, you write a chapter and you, it gets published in a book and you kind of forget about it. And then, you know, people interview you about it. Like you wrote it yesterday. And, uh, <laughs> Justin, <laughs> Justin came, came and he brought it. He brought the knowledge and, uh, and freshened his memory in preparation for the show. And it was, it was just a great one that I, that sticks out in my mind that I learned a lot going through that. Chris, do you have any favorites that you want to
0: call out? I did have one that stuck out. It was episode 131, Masters and Mentorship with Don Jones, who, who wrote the book called Be the Master. We got
1: a lot of tweets on this show, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was, it went kind of viral, but at the same time, it uh, I, I like the show for two reasons. One, Don Jones, know him. He's an awesome dude, and he does a lot for the community. Number two, we went in that show with one kind of idea, and he literally schooled us on the show about... No, we weren't even we we had read the book, and we still weren't right. And we like, we had read like, a, I think the first couple chapters. And we're like, okay, cool, we've got it. And he's like, ah, you obviously didn't read all of it. Here's, here's what you're missing. He corrected us kind of like live, and really challenged our assumptions. And I love it. He stuck to his guns, he knows what he's talking about. And he really has great ideas on how to be a leader, and a manager and a mentor and all of those other, you know, different roles that we have to do in both our personal and our professional life. And so I just thought it has a lot of evergreen value there. If you haven't listened to that show, episode 131 is definitely worth a listen. All right, you all waited for it. And here it is. I have written a Mad Lib that takes, you know, normally everyone talks about their predictions for next year. Oh, how's the tech industry going to be? So I actually wrote a prediction for 2019 in Mad Lib form. And now Ethan who has not seen this. He doesn't know what's in this Mad Lib. He's going to provide the answers to the nouns and you know adjectives and things like that. And then we'll read out whatever he comes up with for our predictions for the tech industry in 2019. I don't
1: like tests. I can't study for Chris. I have so much <laughs> pressure right now.
0: Just blame Spanning tree. That's what you do yeah, anyways. Fair enough. Okay, so I need a business adjective and then another
1: business adjective. Business adjective like uh, like like innovative Something like that? Sure. There we go. There we go. I'm using that. Innovative. Innovative and disruptive. Those are my favorite business adjectives. I love them.
0: Got it. We are going to innovate and disrupt. I need a plural noun of any type. Mountains. Mountain. Oh, that's just... I'm going to do mountain. Okay. There you we said go. plural. Oh, I did say plural. I See? Okay. We'll just... <laughs> I got that fixed. <laughs> there we go. I, I Look, I'm good at spatty Tree and other things. Mad Lib. This is my first one I've ever written, so... Uh, now I need just a regular noun, um, a singular noun. Automobile. I need another adjective. Ugly. Okay. That might be an adverb. I don't know.
1: As long as it fits. Ooh, an, I need an infinitive verb. What the heck is an infinitive verb? <laughs> what, are we at school get to- right now? I'm going to have to Google this, infinitive verb. <laughs> what are you doing to me right now? Infinitive verb. Uh, oh my gosh! A grammatical term. Certain verbs, non-finite. <laughs> blah blah blah. Infinitive verb. Jeez.
0: Should have your English book handy. I mean, you, you knew this was coming.
1: D- these aren't. Come on, man. I played Mad Libs. It's this like, is
0: not. It's like like to do a verb, like to jump,
1: that kind of yes. thing. Yes. And I've already used innovate and disrupt. So let's uh, uh, let's uh, to scale. Ooh, there
0: we go. You're definitely tying very closely to the tech world. This should be like—I don't know if this will be comedic or actually accurate. Maybe this is how predictions <laughs> actually happen. <laughs> I need an adjective of any kind. I'm tensing up, I'm tensing up. I mean, no, no one can see you. could can literally like Google these things and just randomize it, or write code really quick using serverless to come up with adjectives on demand using natural language interpretation.
1: <laughs> uh, adjective, um, adorable. Who? And a verb. Uh, film. film. Film? Okay. Film.
0: Ooh. Ooh, that's too good. I need a noun. You need a noun. Nouns. I actually need
1: two of them, one at a time. Power. That's a noun. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, can be, yes. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yep. And party.
0: Party. Power party. I love hmm. it. Okay, this one's complex. I need a verb
1: and an animal. You need a verb and an animal. <laughs> I feel like I'm being set up badly. Uh, yeah. uh, the verb is knit. K-N-I-T. Knit. Nets knit. And the animal. And the what is your animal? animal? Sheep, of course. Okay. And an adjective. And an adjective. Unsightly. Ooh. And a noun.
0: Another noun. We're, we're almost there. We're like the last third of this.
1: Another noun. Oh, boy. Mm.
0: Doctor. All right, we're at home stretch. I need an adjective and a plural noun. Oh gosh, another adjective. <laughs> There's Let's a lot see. of adjectives. There are so this many. This is the last adjective. So I don't need any more
1: after this. Uh, panicky.
0: And the plural noun.
1: A plural noun. So this would be more than one. It's going to end in an s. Okay. Not necessarily. You know. Well, right. It could be you know like, yeah. like 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 crowd. That could be a plural noun.
0: Is that what you want? Is that your choice? Sure.
1: Let's choose that.
0: And a collective noun. A co- oh, geez. collective. Jeez, collective. Flock. F l o c k.
1: Flock.
0: Flock. flock. And then I need a regular just noun.
1: A noun. And then and then just a just a regular noun. Okay. Well, that's that's yes. boring. Okay. Um. Well, how about how about government? government? Government. All right. Yes. All right. <laughs> Plural noun. Plural noun. Okay. Uh, Children. All right. A verb. Another verb. All right. Harass. Harass.
0: All right. Last two. Uh, An adverb and a verb.
1: An adverb and a verb. All right. Give me the verb first. Disapprove for the verb. Disapprove. Disapprove. All right. And the adverb. List of adverbs. I'm definitely not Googling this at all. (laughs) That is certain. Remorsefully. Remorsefully? Remorsefully. Ooh. All
0: right. We have all the words. I am ready to read the Mad Lib. This is going to be terrible, isn't it? All right. Let's do it. All right. Here we go, listeners. 2019 is going to be an exciting year for technology. I expect to see chatbots across all aspects of business workflows to help us be innovative and disruptive. See, you <laughs> that, actually that, got,
1: yeah, I that, think you got that one <laughs> that right. That actually yeah. works. <laughs>
0: The world of mountains will never be the same now that blockchain's automobile has deflated. Since there's not enough ugly intelligence in business, we expect to see an increase in artificial intelligence. This should have a direct impact on the TPS reports that management needs to scale. See, I got that one kind of right, too. This is actually how the sausage is made, (laughs) I think. Uh, Instead of public cloud and hybrid cloud, we'll instead have adorable cloud, filming the latest workloads. The OSI model will finally receive an update to reflect modern times. Expect to see Layer 3 change to power. Also, Party will make its debut as Layer 8. Alright, that's way better than the traditional Layer layer 8. Are you tired of double-clicking on a topic or crushing it in business? Well, that's too bad because Silicon Valley will debut a new slang in the form of knit sheep... (laughs) (laughs) and unsightly doctors. This will be used pervasively and often misspelled. If you're a fan of working less, we have great news. The rise of automation for technical workflows will hit panicky mass next year, especially for cloud crowd (laughs) and network engineers. I like
1: panicky mass. It's like part
0: of the hype cycle. We're at the panicky mass part of the hype cycle. And those cloud crowds, you know, they're just... (laughs) The open-source flock will perform a complete about-face and close-source all-useful government. In a shocking parallel announcement, Oracle will then open-source their entire stack and declare victory over Red Hat. Also, now that KubeCon has completed its 2018 tour, we can expect to see a new rash of fisticuffs over serverless children especially for those looking to harass digital transformation in a quad-modal IT process. That actually makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, in an effort to save face over consistently using on-premises remorsefully, Gartner will acquire Webster's Dictionary and officially disapprove the meaning of the word premises. That made sense, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Well, there you have it. The All of the all of the hype cycle. We are now in the trough of disillusionment after this Mad Lib has been performed. But again, we wanted to do this episode just in fun for all of you to thank you for listening and to kind of tie off the year in a positive note and show you a little bit about how the sausage is made. And that's it for today's edition of the Datanauts podcast. If you're a social creature, you can follow at Chris Wall on the Twitters or my blog, wallnetwork.com. Or, my delightful friend Ethan is at ECBanks on the Twitters and is blogging over at packapushers.net. For more of our Data nuts shows about infrastructure engineering, do a nosedive down the rabbit hole that is packapushers.net, because you're going to find the Data nuts talking about weird stuff like today, but also containers, conferences, certifications, PowerShell, moving to the cloud, engineering, security, storage architecture. It's a large library and it keeps getting bigger every day. And until then, may your server lights blink, your slang be double-clicked upon, and your cables be cleanly managed. was fun.